So I think the long-term impact, number one, is increased adoption and it's accelerated. You know, we've seen 10 years of acceleration in, in eight months in, in, in this B2B e-commerce field. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Traditionally, B2B businesses have been relationship-based. However, in the modern digitally-centered buying process, 70% of the buyers are now fully defining their needs on their own before engaging with a sales representative. B2B businesses need to critically review their go-to-market strategy before it's too late. COVID has further fueled the rise of e-commerce. Also with Facebook buying customer, we are going to see a convergence of B2B and B2C. And marketplaces such as Amazon will play a key role in the success of B2B businesses. In today's episode, we have our guest Brian Beck from Enceba, who discusses key trends in B2B commerce including the rise of Amazon's prominence in B2B product research and buying, and why manufacturers and distributors should be paying attention and acting now. We also touched on the digital transformation landscape for B2B e-commerce businesses and how CEOs can begin their journey of e-commerce enablement. If you are looking for research-based insights from an industry expert, long-time practitioner, and author who spent four years interviewing your peers and competitors, this episode is a must-listen for you. Let me introduce Brian to you. Brian Beck has 20-plus years of experience, including more than a decade as a hands-on C-level e-commerce executive. Brian currently serves as the managing partner of Enceba, the industry's only Amazon consultancy focused on serving the B2B industry. And he is the author of the first comprehensive book on B2B e-commerce entitled Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam, I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, amazing. I'm super excited to have you as well. So to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and what <laughs> sure. you are focusing on these days? Yeah, no problem, Sam. Well, hey, again, thanks for having me. Um, so yes, I'm a, a 20-year veteran in the e-commerce field. I've been um, an executive in charge of e-commerce as well as a CEO and COO at, at companies uh, throughout the e-commerce field. Many of my, um, a lot of my career was spent as a uh, e-commerce exec for retail and consumer brands. And Sam, I, I got into the e-commerce uh, field for B2B about five years ago, advising companies on how to develop their uh, e-commerce and digital transformation efforts for companies, again, that, that you know, kind of B, B2B manufacturers, distributors, uh, folks who, who really have had no real history in selling or leveraging digital to reach their customers. And you know, Sam, it's, when I got into, the, into doing this, I, uh, I, was, I was asked by my 
clients, hey, is there a is there a place I can go to read about these uh, how to do this? And and gosh, I you know I didn't I couldn't find anything, so I decided uh, foolishly <laughs> to write a book. And I thought, you know, well, gosh, it's never yeah. foolish to write a book, Brian. Okay, you are being super humble here. And by the way, you mentioned twenty years veteran. Yeah. When I talk to book author, typically that's going to be twenty times yeah. more. So you are eighty years veteran. Well, it feels like eighty years. Thank you, Sam. Yes, the uh, I, I I ran e-commerce for um, a number of companies, you know, and 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 successfully, you know, uh, thankfully built some some companies uh e-commerce efforts to you know over over 100 million dollars in 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 revenue and so i did some things right i guess and uh you know i wanted to put that into writing uh because w- what i realized was that you know without a resource like like a book um you know people didn't have a good foundation so i i, I basically wrote my 80 years you're making me older sam <laughs> I, I, took my, I took my 80 years and uh and wrote it down. Sometimes you don't know how your <laughs> jokes That's are right. going to come across, right. man. I'm sorry. Right. So, uh, yeah, this thing is, uh, so the book is called Billion Dollar B2B E-Commerce. And uh, it's it's 400 pages long. It's 12 chapters. But it's really every element that a B2B company needs to build their their digital transformation, right? It's everything from the leadership and the organizational elements that are required to managing channel conflict, aligning your selling channels, making sure your sales force is aligned with what you're doing in e-commerce, to um, you know building a technology foundation. Really, I mean, this is this requires an investment in technology to do this well, uh, and then how to market, how to de- how to deal with and manage uh, your presence on uh, marketplaces like Amazon, and and you know really adopting the principles you know, of of B two C e-commerce for B two B success. There is so much we've learned, Sam, over the last 20 years uh, in from our work with uh, B2C um, e-commerce. There's so many best practices that have been well-established now. And your B2B buyer today expects those from you, right? So interesting fact, Sam, in, within, within three or four years, I think by 2025, 75% of the B2B buyers are going to be millennials. These are people born between... Two th- uh, 1980 and 2000, these people are Amazon natives, digital natives. They, they use Amazon for almost 100% of their online shopping, at least a portion of it. So these folks are coming to you, your, your, your website, your e-commerce, with an expectation that you're going to deliver something like that. And if you're not, guess what? Those, those, those customers are looking elsewhere. So there's a real mandate, and you know, frankly, this uh, this whole event with COVID has just accelerated all everything that's going on in the market. So, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a mandate. It's is a call to action, and you know, the book. Uh, you know, I didn't time it this way, but when it came out earlier this year, Sam, it was, you know, it it uh, it, it just nobody. I, I know it, it just you can't <laughs> right. You know, and, and who would wish this on anybody? This global pandemic, but frankly. It's been a resource for a lot of companies. You know, I, I get calls from these companies, and they, their whole executive team has read the book, and they've got it all earmarked, and <laughs> they've got post-it notes sticking out, and it's great. And I, you know, I, that's that's really I, I am uh, grateful and thankful that um, that people have found a lot of use for this book. So anyway, that's you know, there's a lot of concepts in there, so I'd love to dive in on whatever you want to, Sam. <laughs> I'm yours. 
Okay, amazing. So it's kind of interesting the way you mentioned the millennial term. And I think I made it in that bucket by a year. And I can tell you that I'm very hard to please. <laughs> well, good. I, I, I called you young. I, I don't fit in that anymore. So <laughs> I missed it by almost 10 years, but darn it. But <laughs> so, tell, tell, so today, what we are going to be discussing about is what you are going to do to please me as a millennial. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so we are super hungry for growth as millennial, yep. okay? So the next question, and we follow this ritual here, uh, we ask this question to every single guest that we get on the show. So what is your perspective on growth? Well, gosh, I, you know, it's really the whole subject of, of the, you know, what I wrote about. It, you know, growth, you know, the, the digital has become the center of everything and it is the key to growing a business these days. And I, and I talk about this not only in the stand, stand from the standpoint of digital enablement for commerce, right? Because that's important. But it, it's also, you know, if you think about, particularly with COVID, um, you know, the door, physical doors being locked, you've got to digitally enable the sales team as well. So if you're a B2B company, the mandate for digital as the driver for growth just got a lot louder, right? So so I think, you know, when you think about the return on investment, the ROI, right, from an investment in, in digital commerce and digital enablement, it, it is, it's, a lot of it is about meeting that need. And it comes from places like incremental revenue from e-commerce. It comes from obtaining more share of wallet from existing customers. It comes from capturing new markets uh, by leveraging e-commerce. Gosh, I've got several case studies in the book that talk about Companies of all sizes, ranging from smaller companies, 10, 20 million in revenue, all the way up to multi-billion dollar enterprises that have captured more revenue and entered new markets using e-commerce, finding customers' niches they've never had before and, and doing so through uh, reaching, reaching uh, out in e-commerce, you know, being found, for example, in Google. I have one case study in there of a, of a distributor, for example, that almost doubled the size of its business by leveraging e-commerce. Why? Because they're getting new customers from Google searches that are finding them in, mar in geographic markets they never historically never served. We've got another case study of a, of a, of a manufacturer that is, that is achieving millions in new revenue by, by reaching beyond the OEMs. You know, this company in particular makes metrics uh, measurement tools. They've always sold to Boeing and all these big, you know, big OEMs, uh, original equipment manufacturers. Now they're reaching into new markets. They started selling their products to bicycle to bicycle shops because they had no idea that these people could use their products. But now they're finding them on Google, and these are hard to find tools. So it's a real you know growth, Sam. To get to your question, growth is is now is digitally enabled, right? And so whether that's e-commerce or helping your sales team reach customers because they can't get into see people uh, due to COVID and other things, it's it's. It's just a it, it's a it's a it's a steroid, right? It drives growth for you if you do it right, and 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 that's what what I talk about a lot is how how to do it right, right? Makes sense. Makes sense, and uh, I know that I'm making you feel <laughs> old, but based on the number number of pages you have in your book, uh, I think I have underquoted you. I think I should have quoted you one sixty <laughs> years, to be honest. Okay, because the amount of learning and research you guys you guys have. And you mentioned that you have done, what, 100 interviews with different yeah. CEOs? 
and you, you have tons of case studies. So yeah, the amount of insight that that book authors bring to the table, uh, it's phenomenal. And it's just so much learning for manufacturers and distributors. So the next question I'm going to ask you is, and I find you guys as to be predicting what is going to happen in the market. So from the macro perspective, what is your perspective on e-commerce? What is your perspective on how COVID is going to change the, the e-commerce yeah, market? Yeah, great, great question, Sam. I mean, I think, um, well, again, I think you have that expectation now of, um, of, of e-commerce. And so, look, there's some statistics around what COVID has done. Another, the most striking, I think, is some data I saw recently. Um, it was from Forrester and Bank of America, which showed that the penetration of e-commerce uh, in the United States went from 16, about 15, 16% right before COVID to over 30, I think almost 35% now. What I mean by that is the amount of people using e-commerce, B2C, B2B, to interact, uh, to, to buy products. So it's doubled, right? So I think, you're, you, number one, you're seeing that customers are, are now reliant on e-commerce. Now, the long-term impl- implication of this is that people that were reticent to use e-commerce earlier, um, and, and in particular, I'm referring to B2B buyers, right? You have a good example of this would be, you know, maybe your uh, heating, ventilating, air conditioning contractor or your electrical contractor or people that, you know, maybe hadn't, hadn't used e-commerce in the past now are learning how to use e-commerce and are finding that in, in many cases, it's easier and more efficient for them to do their job. And once you show, once you show people that this is an easier path and saves them time and in some cases money to, um, you know, to use e-commerce, they're not going back. They're going to stick with, they're going to stick with e-commerce because look, at the end of the day, particularly in B2B, if you make the buyer's job easier, they're, they're going to they're gonna continue that behavior. So I think the long-term impact, number one, is the fact that you're going to see increased adoption and it's accelerated. You know, we've seen, we've seen 10 years of acceleration in, in eight months in, in, the, in this B2B e-commerce field. So I think that's one. And then I, the, other, the other big one is I, I think you're going to see less people, you know, taking appointments, physical appointments, and that's going to continue as well. So that means your 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 sales force needs to con- needs to continue to become digitally enabled. The physical sales force. I read a statistic, Sam, that said at the end of 2021, we're still going to have 30 percent of the workforce here in the U.S. Uh, working remotely. 30 percent. That means that's 30 percent you can't get to. You're not going to go show up at someone's house to sell them a product. You have to reach them digitally. So you know it has implications for the digital, physical. Uh, excuse me, the physical sales force as well as the digital, right? So I think these are long-lasting implications. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, when I used to think about e-commerce, I always used to think uh, B2C just because it has the commerce word in it. But lately when I'm interviewing my guest, and I don't know if you know Kurt Anderson, I think you are hanging out with him as well, right? So we did an an episode with him and he is super, super, uh, you know, bullish on, on B2B as well. In fact, nowadays, um, you know, e-commerce folks are not even talking about B2C. For me, when I think of e-commerce, I used to think that, okay, this is going to be my Shopify site where I'm going to have beautiful product. Maybe I'm going to have a cart where I can check it out. But you guys are talking about something different. 
So why is B2B different from B2C as far as the e-commerce landscape goes? And why is everybody trying to push on B2B yeah, now? Great. No, great questions. And by the way, Kurt, Kurt is fantastic. I mean, he's, uh, I've done a couple things with him and just super knowledgeable and uh, amazing energy. So I'm glad to hear you've, you've done some interviewing with him. So yeah, why is it different? Well, so you know, it's really it's a different it's a different customer, right? I mean, ultimately, B two C e commerce, which is the field I lived in for seventeen years, uh, it is a uh, it's well established, highly competitive, very evolved, and it's still alive and well. In fact, you know, same kinds of things are happening there uh, with COVID that are happening in B two B. The fact of the matter, though, is that B two B e commerce, you know, in other words, businesses selling to business other businesses via digital commerce uh, is far behind where B2C is. Um, you know, only 50% of B2B firms have e-commerce capabilities. So, it, you know, I'd like to say it's 10 to 15 years behind where B2C is. What's different about it, which was the core question? Well, it, it, it what's different is that the B2B buyer, number one, has different goals and aims and behaviors when they use B2B e-commerce. The primary difference in their goal is, is it's all about efficiency. They need they're using e-commerce to get their job done, not to go you know shopping and look look for the next greatest look for my hairdo or <laughs> or my you know my outfit or whatever. You know I worked in the fashion apparel space for a while, and you know that was very much about immersion into an experience. And getting people to engage with a lifestyle uh, brand and things like that. So when a consumer shops, it is it's partially about efficiency, but it's also about you know fun and, and enjoyment and engagement in the experience of shopping. With business to business e-commerce, it's all about efficiency. You have got to get the customer to what they're looking for quickly, give them the information they need, and allow them to check out quickly. And they need to also do things that are specific to how businesses buy. So the other key difference is not only in the buyer's intention and, uh, and, and behavior, but it is also about uh, the, uh, the, the expectation and accommodating their traditional workflows they have in their business. A good example, businesses often buy on credit terms, right? They're going to buy uh, you know, a, a manufacturer, for example, will extend credit terms to its distributors to buy from it. Or a distributor might extend credit terms to that contractor or the medical office or whoever's buying from them. And, and that workflow needs to be accommodated in the e-commerce arena. That doesn't exist in consumer in the same format. So buying on a purchase order, for example. The other big, another big example of that is pricing. So in the world of B2B, Many companies have contracts and they've negotiated pricing with their supplier. Well, when that supplier initiates e-commerce, they need to make sure that that pricing is reflected on the e-commerce website. One of the one of the key ways to kill off an e-commerce effort is if you don't present the pricing the customer expects to see in the e-commerce effort. Guess what? Don't even bother starting. It's not going to work. The, the the customer needs their custom their customized pricing through the e-commerce experience in order to make the purchase. So those are some of the, you know, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of differences, Sam, but those are some of the key areas of difference from B2C to B2B. But, you know, the fact of the matter is B2B e-commerce is two and a half times the size even today of B2C e-commerce. It's enormous and a lot of people don't realize it. Interesting, interesting perspective. And uh, when we look at the B2B e-commerce term, and uh, I'm going 20 years back, to be honest. 
So B2B commerce is not new. B2B e-commerce could be newer. And I think you are, uh, you guys are coining slightly newer term here. So when I think of B2B commerce, I used to think the portals such as uh, Ariba or sure. Coupon, and, and I don't know if you are familiar yep. with them. Uh, you know, they used to be your supplier network. Enterprises used to work with yep. them, and then they were your bidding platform. Uh, you could have your marketplace inside the inside the office. So, how do you differentiate between B two B e commerce versus B two B commerce? Yeah, no, great question, Sam. This, I mean, this is um, so it's an interesting and evolving world. So, you're talking about e procurement, EDI, punch out. There's a variety of uh, approaches to to uh, traditional sort of e electronic commerce and and it's to your point it has and continues to evolve there is still a very significant role for those types of e-procurement systems in fact when we look at the world of e-commerce it's very um, closely aligned and and i I believe a lot of those electronic commerce formats so the again the edis of the world the you know electronic data interchange and the and the e-procurement platforms will continue to exist. In fact, they need to, in many cases, they need to um, integrate and, pl- and and work with each other. So what I see happening, Sam, so those, those, those traditional platforms remain a very significant part of the volumes that are done between suppliers and buyers in B2B. Those are systems which, um, when they're set, once they're set up, are, you know, efficiently, can, can run efficiently. Oftentimes, the way companies will approach e-commerce is for a, a, a certain uh, segment of their customer base, which is uh, which which particularly wants to use the e-commerce format. Uh, but at the same time, they're they're using those procurement systems alongside of them, so they're not. It's not a sort of rip and replace. It's it's an addition to, uh, in many cases, in some and 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 in some cases, they're integrating the. Um, uh, or, or allowing the, the e-commerce platform, in some cases, will integrate to and support some of those systems. For example, uh, if you're familiar, Sam, with pun- the punch out, where a customer can order through their ERP uh, system, leveraging you know the, their traditional purchasing paths. Some e-commerce platforms will enable you to 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 support punch out and can be integrated into that system, so that there you know your 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 it reduces some of the complexity of management. So it's a um, so I don't I don't view e-commerce as a replacement for those kinds of systems, but in fact complementary to, and in many cases will serve a different customer than the EDI customer or the e-procurement customer uh, who's buying from a supplier. Does that make sense? It does, and I'm actually going to uh, sort of rephrase my understanding of how I'm interpreting the the e-commerce world the way you are describing. Yeah. So, in my opinion, B to B e-commerce has a lot of different benefits because here you are trying to utilize the ROI from the Amazon marketplace, from the Google ads. But in case of your supplier portals, I mean, you are basically going after your existing relationships. Yes, there could be some of the newer relationships as well, but you are not going to be able to generate business. So am I accurate there in my understanding of B2B e-commerce versus the B2B supplier? That's portals? a great way to think about it, Sam. It's um, So you're, you're in a closed environment with EDI or e-procurement, you know, as you're describing them. And, and so you're not exposing yourself, uh, your, meaning your, off, your product offerings, your, um, your company, your brand, et cetera, by, through, those, uh, through those sort of closed environments, right? To reach new customers and to allow them to, to transact uh, the way you've described it, 
that requires e-commerce. That requires a, a website that people can go on to. They can perhaps register or maybe not even need to, to register to buy from you via your e-commerce website. And so, yeah, it's a way to uh, reach into new customer segments. The, the, the cu- case study I alluded to earlier, you know, the company that is now selling to bike shops, <laughs> they reach them through Google searches. And, and that other one, I, the, the distributor I referred to, you know, their new customers are coming through Google searches on SEO. Um, the same thing uh, can happen with, with Amazon. If you have a, uh, a well-functioning Amazon presence, then, you know, people are searching on Amazon more than ever and in- increasingly B2B. So you've got another whole sort of platform there as well that allows you to reach new customers. See, a lot of it is about exposing more of, you know, to, to exposing your product catalog and your brand to, to new, uh, new customer segments. And it's kind of interesting the way you put this because, uh, you know, even Kurt talks about the same thing. He is super, super bullish on the marketplaces. He's super bullish on Amazon. And in fact, I'm going to connect this with the recent story that uh, Facebook just bought the new CRM platform called Customer. So I guess they are probably trying to get some of that B2B revenue and the ad revenue as well because everybody's trying to jump into this marketplace boom. So tell me why these marketplaces are going to be next, Google, especially for B2B companies. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it's not not even going to be, Sam. They already are. I mean, if you look at – so a couple stats for you. If you look at Amazon and their division called Amazon Business, Amazon has become the number one place people go to search for products. And this is is increasingly in B2B. Amazon is getting 70% of product search where in other words where the product search starts so people kick open their browser and they they you know 5 years ago they would go to google and type in a, a product name well that that behavior has now shifted 70% of it to amazon and if you look at amazon's b2b presence amazon business has become the fastest growing part of amazon period you know i mean i'm talking about all of amazon <laughs> And that include you know the, so it surpassed Amazon Web Services earlier in 2020 in terms of growth rate. Amazon business B two B transactions are are projected to be the, the latest numbers I've seen over 70 billion dollars by 2023. That's that's three years from now. That makes them uh, guys seven times the size of Granger. Does anyone know Granger on the on the call? I would say or on the podcast here. I you know and and a, a lot of you would raise your hands. Granger is recognized as one of the largest distributors in the world. Amazon's going to be they yeah. Are. Amazon's going to be seven seven times their current size. Okay, and and guess what? It's not all office products, right? Amazon is they're selling. If you look at their their where they're making progress, it's it's in things like MRO, industrial products, medical, dental. Last year, Amazon in the medical and, and dental space did over two billion dollars in revenue. Two billion dollars, folks, and th- and this is not just. Over-the-counter stuff too. If you're in the medical field, we're talking about regulated type two, uh, you know, class two medical devices, which are regulated by the FDA. Amazon is putting in workflows to accommodate this. So, you know, Sam, why, why, you know, why marketplaces? Why is Amazon? Why are these other folks? Um, you know, why are they growing growing so quickly? Well, frankly, it's 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 that the marketplaces do a better job than most companies do with e-commerce. They provide more product. They provide an easy experience. They do the things like I'm talking about related to ease of purchase, removing friction, getting the customer in and out quickly. They are meeting the need of that millennial buyer I mentioned. 
they're already, you know, in, in the case of Amazon, those buyers are already using the platform for their personal uh, consumption. They're just shifting over to business. So, look, this is, uh, you know, a marketplace strategy. I, I always tell my clients this. You have to have a marketplace, and in particular, an Amazon strategy, whether you're a market, whether you're a manufacturer or a distributor, uh, the implications are different. But you know, having that strategy is critical, and that's a lot of what you know we spend our time on is helping folks determine that Amazon strategy because it's it's not easy. I mean, they're doing a lot of things, and you, a lot of things you have to think about as you approach um, a, a marketplace. Yeah, and again, I find this whole Amazon thing very interesting, especially when I hear in the news that you need to be careful of Amazon. Um, you know, mom and pop shops are gone because Amazon is just too big uh, and too powerful. But here, actually, the sense I'm getting is it's the exactly opposite story because Amazon is opening the door for you. You come here, you hang out in my premises, and you make money. So it's exactly opposite. Amazon is actually trying to help this, <laughs> right? Right, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know. Look, a couple things. I think Amazon would say, "Look, we enable business. We we actually enable a lot of mom and pop businesses, and they, and they're and they're, and that's very true." I, I talk to people all the time who have built very successful businesses on Amazon. So it, it, ultimately, I think what we have to realize, Sam, is is that you you know, business and consumer business buyers and consumers. Where they shop, their preferences—you can't control that. You, 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 as a business, you ha- you have to recognize the how the world is changing around you and confront it. You know, there's a, there was this great book by Jim Collins, written you know I guess almost 20 years ago, I think now. Good to great, maybe it was 10 years ago. And in Good to Great, he talks about confronting the reality of your situation. What do the best companies do? They confront and acknowledge the reality of what's changing. And they understand their customer. You know, if you look at if you look at Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and what he has preached for 25 years since he founded that company in 19, I think 94, it, he's talked about the customer incessantly and focusing on the customer's needs. And he's and they do it. They're at a million employees. It amazes me when I talk to I have hundreds of relationships at Amazon. When I talk to these people, they're all saying the same thing about the customer. At that scale, it's amazing what they've built, and and to, and to me that they continue to execute with that at the core of their you know kind of being, I think just is a testament to, to where the businesses need to be these days, which is focused on the customer and recognizing how how that is changing, you know how the world is changing. So, to your question, Sam, yeah, I think you know it, it's a, it, Amazon is enabling it enables a little guy but it also it also causes all kinds of disruption if you're not paying attention to your customer so you're you know you've got uh, you know you got mid-market distributors for example that are that are losing market share right now to Amazon you got manufacturers that are losing market share to other manufacturers on Amazon cuz they're paying attention and they're selling their products there uh, and some of these companies guys you've never heard of <laughs> these are these are manufacturers you don't know exist. The whole competitive landscape is changing. You know, go on Amazon, right? And search your product name. That goes with any community, Brian. You need to you need to be nice with the big guy. Okay. Right. <laughs> you can't you can't mess with the big guy. As simple as that. Otherwise, they won't let you hang out in their premises, right? So as long as you are being nice with the big guy, you are good. I think it's nice and I think it's smart, right? You have to have the smart. right strategy. You have to you have to be smart about how you work with Amazon. Um, and, and you have to be smart about, cause you, you know, there's a lot of things you don't control there, even as a large 
manufacturer distributor, there's not a lot of uh, influence you have. Even if you have influence in your in your traditional relationships, it's a different animal. It's a different way of doing business. Amazon is so you have to be smart and informed and uh, have have people by you know your side that know how to know how to work through these things. So um, anyway, it's yes, it, it'd be nice, yes, but I think the most important thing is is understanding what's changing understanding where your customer's going and then have a smart strategy around all of it. Okay, Brian. So uh, we are running out of time and I know that you wanted to cover the the platforms as well, the rollout for B2B, the selection process. I don't know how much you can cover. Do you want to sure. touch on that briefly? Yeah, happy to. I know that was an area, Sam, you wanted to uh, cover off on a bit. And I think, you know, that I have a whole chapter in the book. Chapter nine is all about, you know, platform selection and how to go about that. So I think you know, there's two things I'll, I'll, I'll touch on there. One is that it, it's important to make sure you take your time when you, when you're under, when you go through this process, too often I find companies sort of just go with the first one or two platforms they talk to because the sales pitch sounds great. You need to make sure you take your time and do a careful selection process which involves customer input. It, it involves your your other uh, you know uh, folks who are in your business, your sales team, your marketing, finance, fulfillment, etc. And you want to make sure you um, you know you, you you do that step up front. And it might take you four, five, six months to do that right. But you ought to come out of the other side of that uh, understand you know with a platform that you can live with for a long time. And by platform, what I mean is software, right? So I think the first thing is making sure that you're taking your t- your time with it. And then make sure you you get you know good uh, partners alongside of you. Now the good news is uh, in all this is that that whole landscape Sam has has evolved rather um, considerably over the last even five years. So that there's a lot of options available to you in the platform marketplace, um, which is good news, and it's also bad news because <laughs> you have to you know you kind of have to decide between them. A lot of options it makes the decision can make the decision more difficult, but it's brought down the cost of ownership to get into and launch a, uh, an e-commerce, uh, uh, platform, uh, for your business. So, you know, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of nuance and, you know, there's a lot of options in the market, um, and there's a lot of uh, details to a, an effective process, but I, I would advise, um, you know, my number one piece of advice in terms of that establishing the right technology foundation is take your time with it up front. You will thank, uh, uh me or your people or whatever later <laughs> if you do that, cause you, you won't have to rip and replace it in two years, which is never fun. So, okay, Brian. So, in closing, there are two things I I want you to cover. Number one, the advice for a CEO of a B two B firm because you are well positioned in that. You are one sixty years old. Okay, and the next thing I I want you to cover is you are a super humble guy. You did not even mention the name of your business as far as I remember. <laughs> in the so, can you tell us a little bit about your business? Sure, I can. Yeah, I, you know, I I I. I you know, again, Sam, I believe in in, in sharing value with folks, and and uh, as a first and foremost, not just shamelessly self promoting. So, yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll I'll touch on my business a little bit, and then uh, I'll offer some advice as as in, in closing. So, so obviously, I, I sell books, right? I'm an author. The name of the book is Billion Dollar B two B E Commerce, and if you put a dot com at the end of that you'll get to the book, my book website, and you can read about the book and contents and also buy it. It's available on Amazon. So that's one aspect of what I do. The other is I own a company called Enciba. I'm a managing partner. I have some partners in the business. 
Enciba, E-N-C-E-I-B-A, Enciba. So if you put a .com at the end. Um, our business is in helping B2B manufacturers and some distributors as well understand their Amazon business opportunity, the right approach to Amazon in terms of strategy, and then executing on that. So we have a team of folks um, based here. We're all here in the U.S., um, helping them to execute the, the content, the marketing, the advertising, the, the strategy, the fulfillment, et cetera, for Amazon and Amazon business. We're the only firm in the marketplace that focuses on the B2B aspects of Amazon. And so um, that's, that's the firm. And again, nciba.com. So, and, and my email, by the way, if you want to email me, is brian at nciba.com, B-R-I-A-N at nciba.com. Now, uh, Sam, to close this up, one, one piece of advice, uh, thanks for that question. I, you know, it's, and, and I talk about this in the book right at the beginning of it, and, and it's really about, and I have a case study on it, it, it one piece of advice is take action. And, and this is directed right at the leaders, right? At the CEO, at the C-suite, at the, you know, the VPs and the boards and the business owners. You don't have perfect information in this field. One thing I've learned in 20 years is, you know, in e-commerce, things change all the time. You have to take action in order to succeed without perfect information. The tendency for B2B companies is to wait until everything is perfect before you take action. Tend to be very conservative. And that's fine. And it served you well for 100 years in business or whatever, however long you've been in business. But you know, ultimately, taking action is the key and, and in the absence of perfect information and get people alongside of you that can help you think through this and, uh, and move. So I, ha- <clears throat> I have the first case study in the book. There's a company called Petra Industries. They're, uh, uh, I think, about a 30- or 40-year-old distributor. Back about 15 years ago, the CEO said, gosh, I don't know exactly what's happening with this e-commerce thing, but I need to invest in it. And he, he took action. He didn't understand everything about it, but he learned along the way. He got people on his side, uh, alongside him. And, and today they're a digitally evolved business. They get a lot of their revenue, I believe more than half of it from, e- from e-commerce channels. They're doing well in this pandemic situation because they've invested, because he made those investments and continued to, um, uh, to evolve the business over the last 15 years. They've been able to succeed and and capture new customers uh, customers and and increase their share of wallet from existing customers, and so I, you know my advice is act and and do so without even in the face of the fear of not knowing exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, get people alongside of you that can help. Yeah, the advice cannot be more real than this. So definitely take action and act. And on that note, Brian, I thank you so much for your time and insight. It's been super fun. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. This has been really great. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something today. If you want to learn more about Brian or Enciba, please visit enciba.com or his book website billiondollarb2becommerce.com. He can also be emailed at brian at nciba.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Kurt Anderson from B2B Tail, who touches on what custom manufacturers need to know about starting their e-commerce journey. Also, the interview with Chase Clymer from Electric Eye, who brings a unique perspective on D2C, 
from the angle of e-commerce toolset and Shopify. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.